So thanks for coming back to round two of talking with uh, today to kind of start things off. I thought I would be in the hot seat myself. And today, uh, I guess, episode two or round two of talking with Clayton, talking with me. So we left things off. Last time was my my call to be a, a preacher, uh, a desire to be an actor, and moving, moving down that road uh, into literally the dark night of the soul. So they diagnosed me with what I had Googled on the way to the emergency room. Uh, DVT stands for deep vein thrombosis. And I actually had two. I had one in each leg. Uh, The one in my left leg, they could tell by the way it kind of broke up, but the one in my left leg, half of it had broken free. And that half broke into fours. And four blood clots traveled through my heart, and three of them ended up in my right lung, and one of them ended up in my left lung. So that next morning, so it would be Saturday morning, um, I was talking to a cardiologist. So at 44, I had a cardiologist. And my wife's in the room with us, and... The cardiologist said to me, hey, just so you know, you have a disease, you have a disorder, and your disorder is usually diagnosed when your widow asks for an autopsy. Let me say that again. You have a disorder. It's usually diagnosed when your widow asks for an autopsy. She said, oftentimes, your disorder, the first symptom is post-mortem. Usually the symptom that you have is death. So she said, God has you here for a reason. Find out what it is and do it. That was your cardiologist? And that was October 14, 2017. So how crazy is that to, to know like what the Bible says, right? Before the foundations of the earth, I preordained you to do a good work for my kingdom. To know what that is. And in that moment to decide, okay, God, you got it. Whatever it is, whatever you want, I'll do it. That was the dark night of the soul for me. That was actually the second dark night of the soul for me. Uh, my first one was, as I mentioned earlier, um, uh, my wife, right, uh, committing the unpardonable sin by getting married kind of ruins, limits your chances of what you can do as an actor, right? You, you can't do the, the, the Disney Carnival cruise for three months because... You're married. You can't run off to L.A. or New York or whatever. You kind of, you know, you have a spouse who wants you to be home at five and weekends and, and nights. Um, my first dark night of the soul came, well, next month will be 18 years that I found myself in rehab. So... 
<laughs> through a lot of my own bad decisions, I have been diagnosed with a, with another disease. This disease was 18 years ago. I was diagnosed with a disease that's chronic, progressive, and lethal. The disease is called alcoholism. And that was my first dark night of the soul. But you see, that was kind of my own doing. Now, alcoholism runs pretty deep in my family. So that's not of my own doing. You know, if you believe in uh, generational sin or ancestral curses or uh, demons that run through families, we certainly have them, right? Um, that's one of mine. Um, but I, I guess, you know, my wife and a couple of friends who drove me to rehab uh, convinced me it was just time to be really honest and really vulnerable. So my first dark, dark night of the soul came 18 years ago going to rehab. Um, I don't want to say that I'm beyond it, that I'm past it. I am so grateful, though, that that was 18 years ago. And that has led to a life, a lifestyle of choosing wisdom over foolishness. And so I, I, I have really pursued wisdom because I was so foolish. I'm, I'm still so foolish. But at least having sound people with you, parents, spouse, uh, community, family, friends, at least you got a fighting chance to make a wise choice. And so, so in a sober mind, uh, I can choose to be sober. Right? I, I can make a wise choice and be sober. In a drunk mind, I have no choice. I'm a fool. That's just how that goes. And so I, I am able to celebrate now almost 18 years of sobriety. But the second dark night of the soul was, was nothing that I had done. It wasn't behavioral. It wasn't because I smoke cigars. It wasn't because I sit down too long. It wasn't because I, I really, really enjoy bacon cheeseburgers and fries. It, it's, it wasn't behavioral. Um, I actually got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. Uh, the autoimmune disease is antiphilosolipid syndrome. So I'll say that again. That's antiphilosolipid syndrome, or APS. Uh, Dr. Hughes discovered this. Uh, so now it's sometimes called the Hughes syndrome. But it's an autoimmune disease, uh, which if you know anything about autoimmune diseases, it just simply means that your body is attacking itself. And for me, um, you know, much like rheumatoid or lupus or any of the other long list of um, autoimmune diseases, mine attacks my blood. So anytime my body is in stress, my blood starts to clot. All right, so years ago, they used to call it the sticky blood disease. But... Extreme cold, extreme heat, uh, actual stress, right? And actual body trauma, right? Breaking a leg, hurting yourself, whatever. Those types of things would cause my blood to clot, leading to deep vein thrombosis and eventually leading to pulmonary embolisms, which I had four of, or... You know, like the doctor said, if that, if that blood clot hadn't broken up, uh, by the time it hits your heart, you've got about 30 seconds. And so a lot of times, you know, when people die of uh, pulmonary embolisms, they're dead before they hit the ground. And uh, 
now that I've been aware of it for the last just over three years, boy, you see that happen an awful lot. So um, got out of the hospital a couple days later, and um, I'm, I'm still on, after, after three years, I'm still on uh, blood thinners, 20 milligrams of Xarelto a day. Um, but that road back was, was a strange one, so it, it really took my mind, took my body, and like I said before, in, in the first episode, this is the first time that, that I didn't live the charmed life. My, my body, my health betrayed me. So I thought about uh, recovery, what that would look like. And I, I really thought, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to go home and I'm going to write the great American play, right? I'm going to get back to normal. And um, I got home and I, I couldn't think. You know, the panic attacks and the, the anxiety and, and the worry and, and the, the body healing itself took a long time. And, and, and there really is a thing called brain fog. Um, you'll see sometimes I kind of get uh, lost in my thoughts and it, and it takes me a second or two to come back into it. It's just, it's just a, a brain fog. I, I couldn't write anything. I really couldn't, couldn't speak much. And I, I, thought, I thought maybe... Okay, now, now waking up in the hospital, I, I, I committed my art, my craft, fully to God. I, I committed the remaining years that, that God has given me, breath in my lungs, I committed that to God. For Whatever he wants to do with it. You, you want to use me to creatively communicate your gospel? I'm all in. Whatever, just ask. Find ways to ask me. I'll say yes to everything. So, so since then, I have done testimonies and, and public speakings, and I have done plays, and I have written, I, I've done everything that, that I've been asked the last three years. But in the, that moment of, of two weeks of bed rest and then an additional two weeks of home confinement before the, the, the doctor would release me, I couldn't think. I, I could hardly speak, and I, I thought maybe, maybe God, now that I was ready, I suppose, maybe God was taking everything away from me. Um, just over three years later, I'm still looking to get back to normal. It never fully came back. I'm different. It changed me. It changed me physically. Uh, those who knew me bef before can see some differences in me. It changed me emotionally. And it also changed me spiritually. Um, about six, seven months later, I was um, I was on a fishing trip. I was on an uh, I was on an annual fishing trip. So I'm up in northern Canada. It's a very secluded place where where you, you can't get in real easy and you can't get out real easy. You, you get, it's like a five day fishing trip, right? It's a it's a five day travel for four days of, of water. And it is the it is the the greatest fishing experience you'll have in your life. It's a it's a trip of a lifetime. It's Wollaston Lake Lodge in northern Saskatchewan, Canada. Wollaston Lake Lodge. Probably sponsors this show. They don't yet, but they will. Thanks, guys. Um, I'm up at Wollaston Lake Lodge with, uh, with some work buddies, uh, guys who I go on this fishing trip with every year. And, and this is the first time I'm up there being changed, right? I mean, I just got out of the hospital, just released the fly. It's about six months after I was out of the hospital. Anyway, it's day two of fishing, and I'm up there, and it's, it's lunchtime, and we, and we hit the shore for lunch, 
And this is the first time, now I've been, this is my 15th trip. This is my first time in 15 years that I just wanted to be alone for the lunch. Usually I'm pretty talkative, outgoing, laughing, giggling with the boys, teasing each other, right? Uh, I just wanted to be alone. I was, I was looking at everything differently. So I kind of climbed a rock a little bit and um, I was just, just thinking, and some, something hit me, and it was um, something's going on at home. And I remember not being able to, to tune in to what's, what's up, what's going on, but just something was bringing my attention to home. I, I thought maybe like my wife had like a flat tire or something, but it, it felt like, like a loved one, probably my wife, car issue, whatever. Anyway, ate lunch, went back fishing. And then that night, getting off the water, uh, right before dinner, I, I got a, a text from my wife. It said, no big deal, but just so you know, your mom was in a car accident. She should be okay. It looks like she probably broke her leg or her ankle or something. So uh, I was able to finally call my wife, and uh, within three hours, my mom had died. And... I couldn't, I couldn't be there. I, I couldn't get back there, uh, here, to the farmhouse. I, I couldn't be here. I was stuck there. It was a great place to be stuck, but I was stuck. I was so glad that I was with a bunch of buddies who, who knew me and loved me and um, could cry with me. Uh, the, you know, the two Daves and Brian and Greg and boy, those guys really, really loved me and, um, you know, were, were, were there for me and it, and, and it was great, but, but man, I was just recovering and I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't back yet. And when I finally got back and sitting, sitting outside, I, I got back at four in the morning and, uh, just talking to my sisters and talking to my dad when I finally got back. And the first job or thing that I said yes to after getting out of the hospital was writing and speaking the eulogy at my mom's funeral. Again, up till then, I had a pretty charmed life. I never really suffered loss. Nobody, man, nobody that close died to me. I never really had anything taken from me. But my health, and now my mom. I was so thankful that a year before that, God led me through a process of forgiving my mom. Different weird relational brokenness, but I'm so glad that, that there was nothing left unsaid, nothing left undone. I just wasn't here to say goodbye. And um, it was a hard couple of months right after a loss like that, especially living next door to my my mom and dad, and then, you know walking with that through, with with my sisters and my family and and my wife and, and my dad. And it's kind of un unpacking all that and just and just just rallying around my dad. You know, it's so funny that I had, I've always had a really great relationship with my dad. My dad was one of my best friends. I mean, he is one of my best friends, one of my closest allies. He never said, I love you to me. I take that back. He, when I was 17, one time, I don't know why, I don't remember the situation, but, it, but one time 
my dad said, I love you. After my mom died in a car accident, my dad said, I love you every day until he died five months later. It was the weekend after Thanksgiving. I was supposed to help my dad clean the gutters. Uh, I was working something busy. Anyway, it was a little uh, foggy outside, and so the driveway, the blacktop was, was really wet. And uh, he decided to not wait for me anymore, and he cleaned the gutters himself. I got a, call, a phone call from, uh, from Bobby D., a friend of ours who lived down the street, who came by to check on my dad and help him clean the gutters. And he called and said, hey, your dad's on the driveway. So I came home and talked to my dad a little bit. And he seemed okay, out of it a little bit, but he's fine. Hurt his ankle, though. I said, you know what, man? Let's just get you in the car and we'll drive you down to the emergency room and kind of see what they say. Uh, boy, as soon as they got in there, they, they put a, a, a neck collar on him in case there was a problem. And they did some x-rays. I remember him filling out the paperwork, you know, his name and his address and marital status, and he, he wrote married. And then he lined through it and wrote widowed because it was still fresh. And about an hour later, they, they came back to my dad's ER room, and they said to him, we're going to have to fly you up to UIC, uh, University of Chicago, the uh, trauma unit. Um, there's some bleeding on your brain. And so that kicked off for me and my wife and my aunt and my sisters and so many friends uh, who came to visit us. That, that kicked off about a week and a half of an ICU visit for my dad. And we eventually brought him home to his house, which we now affectionately call the farmhouse. Um, he died on, I guess, late... Wednesday night, Thursday morning, December 14, 2018, five months after my mom died. And so that was a kind of a long journey of uh, packing up some, some old relationships and, um, and saying goodbye to some, some old dreams and some old friends. And... Uh, and kind of burying your past. And so that's, that's what I did. I literally and figuratively buried the past. It was over. And 2019 was about taking care of lawyers and car accidents and estates and um, houses and, and finally getting everything done and separated and uh, paid out and closed up. 2019 was about finishing my parents' life well. And uh, their, their stuff here on earth, we finished well. And uh, everything, everything worked out okay. Um, and so I was able to, to turn their house into a, a private meeting place that we affectionately and lovingly call the farmhouse. Um, it's an honor to be here in my dad's old bedroom. So it's it's pretty it's pretty great to, to be here. Um, it's inspiring. You know, I remember what Paul said in the Bible, right? I mean, Paul said, forgetting what is behind me, I now press on to whatever God has for me in the future. 
And having a health lifestyle change, losing my mom, losing my dad, re-visioning, repurposing their old home, my old house, um, everything has changed. Nothing is the same. And so we flew right in, into 2020, ready to take on the world and ready to be the new thing, doing the new thing the new way. And then everything got shut down. But that's okay, because that led us to a very different thing. That led us to 316 Creative Works doing podcasts, including this one, talking with, and I'm so thankful to be sitting here in this recording studio with some of my dearest friends, creative producer Esther, sound engineer and producer Justin, the house manager Danielle, and I am Clayton, talking with Clayton from 316 Creative Works. Hey, this is Clayton from 316 Creative Works, talking about our podcast. Listen, if you like any of this stuff that you saw or you heard, I'm going to give you a couple places where you might find it, besides coming in live to the Farmhouse Studios. There's a couple platforms you can find these on. Um, so you can check out Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and SoundCloud. So for the cheap seats in the back there, let me say this one more time. You can go to Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and SoundCloud. You can find it under 316 Podcasts.